All right, so uh, if you've been around uh, Redstone uh, three years now, we've, we've paused in the summertime and we've done, we, we don't do a, a typical vacation Bible school with the kids. And so instead, we elongate the programming in the summertime. And so every Sunday, um, the, the types of things that we're learning up here, the kids are learning in the back. And so we've set up the curriculum in a way in that we're, we're, we're journeying through the exact same stuff. So year one, we went through the Armor of God. I don't know if anybody was around for the Armor of God series, but we walked alongside the Armor of God with our kids. And then as adults, we did that. Uh, last year, we went through Jonah, if you remember that. And now this year, we're doing uh, Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, we do that because it's important for parents, particularly, to, to understand what your kids are learning at church and also understanding your job as a disciple maker. And so we want to pause all of our, uh, you know, our teaching and just say, let's sync up and let's all do this together and just give you know, our parents just some leverage to have some pretty hard conversations, some gospel conversations, week in and week out. So the stuff that you're going to hear up here, the kids will hear back there in a different degree. Again, I've mentioned kind of the homework. What Allie's done is she's written out all the kind of the application questions, those types of things. So that's what's going on in Camp Redstone. It looks stellar back there. If you haven't been back in the library, make sure you go visit it. It's, it really is. It really is amazing. All right, so we are here with Paul's second missionary journey, and that is in the book of Acts. All right, so you have to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you're going to get to the book of Acts. So that's where we're going to be, particularly in chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, your devices, those types of things, make sure you get to uh, Acts chapter 15 because that's where we'll be. You only have, I think, even maybe just one verse on your bulletin. It was just too much to print everything, and so we just kind of gave you some emphasis there. Um, so Paul's, uh, missionary, Paul's second missionary journey is important because... Uh, obviously, he's been on one missionary journey. Now this is a second one. What happens in the, in the second missionary journey is remarkable. I mean, you just, it's a page turner, and there's so many things that are happening. And so we're, just, we're really, really excited about that. All right, so uh, we've, we've named this thing, we've named it Outward. All right, so this is, the, this is what we're going to be talking about over and over and over and over and over again is this, this word out, because this is what happens to the gospel. This is what happens to our faith. This is what happens to the church. And this is what happens to people. And so everything from the message of Jesus all the way to us as individuals, to us as people, we are all sent out word. All right? We were all meant not just to stay stationary, but actually to go somewhere. So we'll pause and we'll say, how stationary are you? All right? Because if you, if you want to be just a little bit uncomfortable, come week in and week out because we're going to be pushing you somewhere. All right, so I just pulled this off the, offline. It just says this. It's an adverb, away from the center or a particular point. All right, and so you've got this hub or you've got this center. Or you've got this point. And outward means that out from the center goes motion or goes movement. And so this is where we're going to be is we're going to be outward. We're going to be pushing us out. The gospel goes out. Individuals go out. Us as a church, we all go out. So the word of the summer is, class? 
Outward. That's right. That's a fun word, right? Yeah, fun. Okay. All right. So that's outward. We also have a, a, a memory verse. All right. So go ahead and write this down. Acts 18, 9 through 10. Uh, the kids are only going to be memorizing the stuff that's in the yellow or orange uh, for you UT fans. All right. But I thought it would be good for us big kids to travel alongside and say, okay, we need to memorize some scripture, those types of things. So let me just read it through us. All right. So this is Acts 18, 9 and following says this. Um, and the Lord said to Paul, Paul, this is Paul's second missionary journey, all right? And this is God talking to Paul. So the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, and this is what he says, and this is what our kids are going to memorize. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, all right? So this is the Lord's admonition to Paul. I know there's a tendency to stay stationary. I know there's a tendency to stay quiet or silent. Don't be afraid. But go on speaking, right? And do not be silent, for I am with you. What a great promise, right? One is that I'm going to be with you. This is what we hear in the Great Commission, is that God will always be with you. And he's just going to tell you, don't be afraid, but just keep on talking. And so this is what we're going to memorize. The, the rest of the context is important. All right, so this is particularly to, to Paul. And it says, the reason that you don't have to be afraid, Paul, is because I'm going to be with you, and I'm actually going to put a, a hedge. I'm going to be, put a, a, just an armor around you, and no one will attack you, and no one will harm you. That is a great promise, right? Now, oftentimes, God will remove that, and people will har harm him. However, in this case, it won't happen. And then this will be, this is a great promise for us to realize, even here in Johnson City and here in Appalachia. For I have many in this city who are my people. And you need to go find them. You need to go speak with them. And so this is, this is kind of just the, the, the nature of this, this, is that we are going to be outward with our words. We're going to be outward with our lives. We're going to be outward focused as a church. This, this lines up with where we've been all this year for 2019 is we've been just, just anchored in this word mobilization. We want our people mobilized. We want our people to feel sent. We want you as individuals and family groups, right? And your dating relationships and middle schoolers and high schools. We want you to know that your life is lived best, not silent, right? But spoken, not stationary, but sent. And this is kind of what we want in our DNA. So that's the reason we belabor the point over and over and over. Um, if you've got your... Um, your Bibles in, in Acts 15, let me just show you some of this kind of sentness, right? This idea that we're going to be outward with our words and outward with our actions. So this is Acts chapter 15. You're going to have to just, we're going to scan a little bit. So this is verse 22 says this. This is, this is this outward word. And when it seemed good to the apostles and the elders and the whole church to choose men from among them, they, what? Class. They, and among them, and send them to Antioch, right? So this is this idea of being sent, being gone outward. So they send to Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, and then the very next phrase, they sent also Judas, right, and a guy named Silas. You can see this, this sending of this idea of being outward. Verse 25 picks it up again. And it seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and to send them to you, right? People are being sent. People are going out from where they previous are. You go all the way down to verse 30. 
And you're going to see another phrase, class. What is that? All right. And so when they were sent off, right? There they go. They're being sent outward. Let's go all the way down to 33. Surprise, surprise. I wonder what's going to be there. All right. And verse 33 says, And after they spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers and those who had, back to those who had sent them. This is the DNA of the early church. Why is this not the DNA of our church or the 21st century church? Is this idea that we need to be mobilized. We need to be sent. And so that's where we're going to be this year or this summer. We're going to be sent outward. Now, Paul, all right, the Lord says to Paul, Paul is the most prolific missionary that we see on in the pages of scriptures, right? There may be other missionaries that are as good. We just don't see them written in the pages of scripture. But Paul, this guy, he is the most prolific missionary and he is the most prolific church planter and he is the most prolific theologian that we see in the New Testament. That's a big deal. So if you named your kid Paul or if your name is Paul, just know you've got a lot of shoes to fill because chief theologian, chief church planter, chief missionary, those are big shoes to fill. This is Paul. And Paul Go is commissioned to move and to go and to continue to teach and to preach and just do those types of things. This is the character that we will zoom in on and we'll see his actions over and over and over again. Um, we've, we've already told you that this is his second missionary journey. All right, so but let's do some comparison and contrast. This is his first missionary journey, okay? Um, it may be a little pixelated, but that's okay. Uh, you don't need to know a lot other than gold circle is where he starts, right? Red is where he, where he just goes, and blue is how he backtracks, all right? And so here's kind of the, the region that you're in. Jerusalem is down here. Right? And this is Antioch. Antioch is the sending city, the sending church, right? And they send Paul and Barnabas on this journey. They go to the island of Cyprus. They come up, they kind of go in, and they go back. And it's, it's a really, really nice journey. However, right, let's compare that to his second missionary journey. This was like game changer. This is a world changing event. All right. The, the fact that someone would go from place to place preaching the good news and actually seeing converts and those types of things. All right. But the second missionary journey, a lot more scope. All right. And you can't even read any of this, but that's okay. Here's what you need to know is that this is Antioch here. Right. And this is the summation of the first missionary journey. So all you need to realize is just that it's expanded outward, right? Where the first one was successful, this one was highly successful. And you were able to see that this is Paul's kind of turf, and this is his territory right here. This is what he was really wanting in his heart to actually redo again. But what did, the, what did God have planned for him? Actually, just to continue to go on and on and on and on. And eventually he went back. The second missionary journey by scope, right, is so much more than even Paul would have realized. When he walked out of the front door in Antioch, he thought he was about to experience something similar than, similarly than he had before. But the second one, God had so many different plans for him. And that's the scary part. 
Some of you haven't even gotten to the place where you're like, Lord, I will go out my front door for you. Or I will just, I will leave my comfort zone and begin to speak on your behalf. Just know that this is what will happen to your words. Like you will just muster up just a little bit of courage and the Lord could potentially do this with one just moment of faith and one moment of boldness. This is what we want from our church. This is what we want from us as family units and for individuals. is for us to live our lives, not like consumed with ourselves or consumed with our own comforts or only just consumed with our own spirituality. That is not a life that's, that's, that's worth living. What Jesus tells us is where true life and abundant life is given is when we actually live our life on mission for him. And that's why the Great Commission says something like, go. That's how it starts, right? Therefore, go to make disciples to all places. And so this is Paul's second missionary journey. All right, so today's text, you're going to have to follow along. Uh, Today's text uh, starts in verse 19 of chapter 15, and it goes all the way to 36. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn here, because we're going to read a pretty lengthy portion of Scripture. I'll do my best to pause and do some teaching along the way, but just, uh, this is just the reading of God's Word with just a, a few editorial note moments. So this is Acts 15, 19 and following. Therefore, um, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turned to God. Whoever's speaking, and right now it's, it's not really important for us to really grasp the significance of, of who's speaking. But therefore, this judgment, right, is that we should not trouble the Gentiles who have turned to God. Obviously, somebody's poking the Gentiles. But instead, we we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols. And in this letter, we also need to tell them uh, to abstain from sexual immorality and from what is being strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaimed him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And so there's this idea, this this provocative, something provocative has happened in that the Gentiles were being asked to do something that they were not comfortable doing. And now this is the church having some kind of course correction. Verse 22 reads like this. And so then... It seemed good to the apostles and the elders and the whole church. Those are kind of the the government structures of the early church is that you've had apostles, you had elders, and you had the congregation to choose among men or choose men from among them to and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So they sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among brothers with the following letter. And so this is what the, the, the city of Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem does. We know that Paul and we know that Barnabas is, are going to Antioch, right? However, the, the church here says, I think it's important to send more delegates, more representatives to go along with, with Silas or with, with Paul and Barnabas. So we set aside a guy named Judas and a guy named Silas. They're leading men to go with them. And we're also going to send a letter. Now, this letter is important. 
right? Because this is the written word, right, of the church of Jerusalem to say, here is how we want, you, want to lead you. And so here's what the following letter said this. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who, uh, who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So going back to 19, this verse 19, there's people who are telling the Gentiles that they have to live a certain way. They're actually troubling these Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ. And what is at the heart of this is people are saying, you've got to become Jewish. And all the Gentiles who are in Antioch are looking to the Jewish people and we're like, I don't want to. And they're like, yeah, but you got to. And they're like, I don't want to. And they're like, yeah, but you have to be Jewish. And so why is that? Because the Jewish had two major commendations. Number one is you had to live by the law. The Gentiles didn't even know what the law was. And number two is they, the men needed to be circumcised. We don't have to be graphic. So now we know why everybody's like, mm-mm, I ain't doing it, right? And so I don't want to be Jewish, right? Because I don't understand the law. And two, I don't understand circumcision. And so this is what the letter is being written to, is for the people in Antioch to hear the fact that you don't have to become Jewish. You don't need to live by the Jewish law, and you don't have to be circumcised. And they're sending Paul and, 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 and Barnabas and Silas and Judas to, to, uh, to, to give this thing. Verse 27 says, We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit for us to lay on you no, no greater burden than these requirements that you abstain from, and there's four of these uh, prohibitions. One is that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. And that's the end of the letter. You don't have to be Jewish. Now these four things, from written from long past, these things have just been substantive to humanity. But these things you don't have to do. You don't have to live by the law and you don't have to be circumcised. Verse 30 says this, And then when they were sent off and they went down to Antioch. And so this is their, these four men with this letter. So they went off and they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered or they read the letter out loud. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, they spent some time encouraging and strengthening the brothers with many words. So when the letter is delivered and read out loud, the church just rejoices because this is the God uh, that they, they've worshipped and they don't have all of these, this weight on them. And after, spending, uh, after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers who were in Antioch to those who had sent them. They send them back to Antioch, back, back to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas, they remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of God and with many others also. Verse 36, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, 
Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So verse 36, if you're a historian and those types of things, you want to circle verse 36. And verse 36 is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. It was important for us to read all of that and understand all that because that, co- that context and all of that is happening to set up Paul's second missionary journey. Paul is about to embark on another journey as unto the Lord. So that's a lot of going, stuff going on, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. So here's what we want to know just in our passage this morning. Is we want to understand two simple things. Is that one, that the gospel is diversified, right? We want to know that the gospel is diversified. And then also that the gospel is distributed. And so that's kind of the main teaching point for today is to realize that what is going on in Antioch and Jerusalem with Paul and Barnabas, with the gospel and those types of things, that there's two things, if you want to kind of distill them down, that they're being diversified and the gospel is also being distributed. So let's jump in. Why don't we? Let's jump into what it means to actually find the gospel uh, diversified. All right, so first and foremost, we see that the gospel must be diversified into multiple groups. So there's two groups that we have been talking about. Number one, there's the group who are, who's in Jerusalem, and now there's this new group in Antioch, right? Here's what we know. That in Jerusalem, everything happens in Jerusalem. This is the original church, the original missionaries. This is where theology is being handed down and written. Those kinds of things. There's a Jerusalem council. This is a big, big deal. Jerusalem sends missionaries. They write letters. They do all these types of things. But now there's this second group of people that are just north a little bit. And they're, they're in the city of Antioch. Now, the city of Antioch is, is not Jerusalem. And so just by nature, we've got some kind of diversification. We've got people groups that are a little bit different. Antioch is not the early, the, the first church. The group the, in Antioch, they're not writing theology or writing letters or, or clarifying some things. However, the church in Antioch is taking some significant moments. Listen to this passage. You don't have to turn there, but listen to this passage. This is Acts chapter 11. Now, there were those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. And they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus, and they traveled as far as Antioch. And there were some men, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch who spoke to the Greeks who spoke to the Hellenists or to the Gentiles also. They were preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hand of the Lord was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, a report, so this is what is happening in Antioch, is that the word of God is coming not just to the Jews, but also to, uh, to the Gentiles. And this is what happens in, the, in the, the church of Jerusalem. Verse 22, now a report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. There's this outward movement, right? So what is happening in Jerusalem is that this has been the hub or the epicenter of all things godly. 
And now we're starting to hear these rumors of what's happening in Antioch. And they're not Jewish. They're more Gentile. They're Hellenist. And so what the people or what the church of Jerusalem does is they send a representative. They send Barnabas to look and to hear all the things that are happening in Antioch. So Barnabas is there. And when he came, he saw the grace of God and he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And he was a good man. This is Barnabas. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord in Antioch. And so Barnabas knew that he was way over his head. So Barnabas went to Tarsus and to look for Saul, which is another name for Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And they spent an entire year and met with the church there and taught many great people. And in Antioch, listen to this, this is verse 26. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So now we have a diversification of a hub or a center of God's movement in God's people. You've got people that were very, very Jewish and people that were very, very not Jewish. And the Lord is like blessing them both. Antioch is a big deal. One is because the Lord showed favor there and brought many people to themselves. Two, they were a recipient of missionaries from Jerusalem. And three, the Apostle Paul himself spent a year there teaching and preaching and making them marinating in the things of God. And that's the first time that, they, that people were called Christians. So if you call yourself a Christian, you have to go all the way back to a first century church in a Gentile area of, of Antioch to say that's where they were first called Christians, followers of Christ. That's what's going on in Antioch. So now we have two places that are starting to bulge, two places that are starting to be the hub, two outward-centered people. And what we see out of not just Jerusalem, but what is happening in is Antioch, is who commissions Paul and Barnabas in their very first missionary journey. It was the church of Antioch. Not the church of Jerusalem, the church of Antioch. We now have two sending centers. Jerusalem commissioning Barnabas to go to Antioch. Now Antioch commissioning Barnabas and, and Paul to go forward. The gospel goes outward. We as individuals go outward. And now we have two local congregations. We've got two churches that have bought into this vision that we spend our lives out there, not just in here. The gospel is being diversified because now we have Jews and Gentiles both catching the Great Commission and both doing great heavy lifting. Not only is the gospel diversified in multiple groups, but in multiple locations. And so that's kind of the point, is that now we've got Jews and Gentiles. Now we've got Jerusalem and Antioch both looking very similar, even though the Gentiles were allowed to be Gentiles altogether. And this is who we want to be. It could easily, right? We could easily um, just kind of sit and kind of wait. But we know that, in, that Paul and Barnabas only spend one year with the church of Antioch. And in one simple year, these people come to know Jesus. 
they're matured in their disciple making and they're a part of a, of a commissioning of missionaries. That's a lot of work in one year, right? I mean, we look at a year and we're like, we can't get anything done. Well, when the Spirit of God gives people a vision, a different vision for their life, man, expediency can happen. And so the initiation or just the, you come to faith you, or you mature in faith and you commission in faith, this is the Antioch church and this is who we want to be as a church. We may be too small, right? We may be too young, but we are not going to let those be excuses for us because we want to be a part of this commissioning moment, this a part of this maturing, this discipleship moment. We want to take our cues from the Antioch church. Now that was a long intro, right? To get us, we haven't even started the second missionary journey, but I wanted us to catch a vision for our lives. And we want our church to catch a vision for our lives is that our job is not just to sit and be silent, but to go and to share, to feel sent. And so the gospel is diversified, different groups and different locations. It also, the gospel uh, needs to be distributed, all right? And that's where uh, uh, verse 36 comes in in play. And so if you've got, you've got it on your worship guide, but the gospel actually has, we remember our, our, um, our memory verse, like it's got to be spoken. It's got to be given out. It's got to go somewhere. And so let's not forget that the, that the gospel has to be distributed. Verse 36 says this. It says, Now after some, some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So, first and foremost, what do we see? We see the word let's. The idea is that the gospel is going to be distributed together. We never see Paul by himself. We always see him in partnership with someone else. You cannot do this alone. You cannot do this by yourself. Very few times do we actually see individual Christians just doing individual things all by themselves. It happens. But more often than not, this idea of let's go. Let's do this gospel thing. Let's do this outward thing together. And that's why um, our phrase here, our mission strategy is called On Mission Together, right? Because we, we don't want to do this by ourselves. We want to do this together alongside other people. And so this first word, let's, is super, super important. Is let's do this together. We don't want to just, for you as an individual, to go visit Rise Up. That would be fine and well, but what if your whole family went to rise up and you served? Or maybe not just your family, but what about your community group go and serve? It's so much better together. The Christian life is meant to, to be lived together. So the gospel needs to be distributed together, plural. The second thing is, this idea is that we're, we're here, but we want to go there, right? There's just this, this location issue. So 36 says this, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word. Let's leave here and go there. Let's leave here and go there. There's a, there's a, there's a 
proximity change or there's a location change. For the gospel to be distributed, we actually need to get up from where we are and move somewhere else or move closer to other people. That's how we dis- distribute, uh, distribute sorry, uh, the gospel. Let's put ourselves in the, in the early church. Let's find ourselves like first century, small church, um, young church, right? Very similar to us, right? And you've got Paul, the apostle Paul, who worships with you. And you've got the son of encouragement, Barnabas, with you. There's also, there's, there's this idea that there's two other really big, big names here. Silas, for one, and then also John Mark, all right? So these four individuals are worshiping with us, you know, in our local church. I mean, these are big time faithful men. And yet they say, we need to leave here and we need to go there. Can you imagine the whole that it would create with those guys gone. Can you imagine like how, I mean, just what we would give up by giving, you know, having those four types of people to leave. And yet the gospel and the great commission was so important that the church of Antioch gladly let them go and commissioned them to go. The gospel to be, needs to be distributed. It means that you and I often have to leave here and go there. This sentness, this idea that we're going to go outward, it's going to cost us dearly. We're going to see our best friends move across the country or across the world. It's going to cost us major finances because of the types of fundraising and the types of giving that we will give. It's not going to cost us people and money, but also our time. This idea that it's just going to be very, very expensive. If the church of Antioch was going to be so selfless with those types of resources, let us gain encouragement that let's be a part of this. So the gospel needs to be distributed together from here to there. And then lastly, there's only one medium. is this idea that it was through the word. And so let us go back and to every city where we proclaimed the word of of the Lord and see how they are. And even if you look at the previous letter and what Silas and Judas were supposed to do, or if you flip all the way back to initially what what Paul and Barnabas did, what they were able to teach uh, the church many, many things, you go over and over, the only thing that we have is the Word of God. The Word of God. This is what we give away. And so... um, we need to ask ourselves, are we, do we have a Great Commission life? Do we have this outward-centered life that we wake up every single day with? I was at a funeral this spring, and uh, she was a 90-year-old lady. She had lived a great life. Um, she was one of those favorites of the family. You know, you're not supposed to have favorites, but you do. And so old Aunt Jean was one of our favorites, mainly because of her hugs. Too, she would always ask you questions and lean in and say, so tell me about this or this is this. Every once in a while she will say, hey, I've been praying for you and praying for your church or those types of things. 
or late, in, even in her widowhood, she sent um, Nicole and I, she would actually support Redstone Church in those early days. This was Aunt Jean. Aunt Jean lived a great life, a good life. She had six kids. She stayed in the same town her whole life, those types of things. So Aunt Jean dies a good, at a great age, and we're sitting there at her funeral. And so the first girl gets up, I think it's a granddaughter, and she uses this phrase, my Aunt Jean lived a great commission life. She said she spent her time in prayer, praying for the missionaries of this town, of our state, and around the world. She spent boatloads of money, our money, that should have been in our inheritance. She spent making sure that the Great Commission continued to go forward. Not only did the granddaughter get up, but then the son got, got up and would tell these stories of how she would start these missions in little Bowden, Georgia for teenage mothers or, 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 or unwed mothers. She would start things at her church and she started like a food pantry or those types of things. Even in her old age, she would fight with her husband because she had to go to Atlanta right, to meet with the missions committee for the state of Georgia. And so she would drive all night, right, to make this meeting and come back, you know, behind the, behind the wheel. She would travel, and she'd been around the world traveling. But her most important and most favorite thing to do was to pray for and to give and to encourage missionaries. She lived a great commission life. If we were buried today, and a granddaughter and a son were to speak over us, I'm pretty sure my kids would say, man, he loved us well, and he was a lot of fun to be around. But would they say this, that he lived a great commission life? I've never heard that phrase before. All I know is that it was attributed to some old lady that you've never met or will at this point. And yet it changed me that I want to give my life in such a way that I'm always praying for the other people who have never heard the name of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not stand still. The people of God as individuals, we do not sit still. And the church mobilized, we do not sit still. The gospel goes forward. It goes outward. Let's pray. And so Jesus, what does it mean for us now to, to live an outward life? There's some in here who have not even considered the Great Commission in a long time. Much less considered the Great Commission, this idea that we are to live our life for the sake of Jesus Christ and to speak of him often and always to such a degree that that is the one thing that could be shared about us when we die. And yet Jesus Christ it is my prayer that that is what will be said, not just of one Aunt Jean in Georgia, but you will prick our hearts. And so burial after burial, 
life after life, that we, what will be said of us is that we lived our life outward focused, given our lives for the sake of the gospel. I wonder if there would be some in here that would be so bold to say, I want to commission my life and to live like that. And maybe even here this morning, God is calling you outward. Jesus, your scriptures are clear. It says that you will never leave us or forsake us. And so what you have called us to has got to be thrilling and has got to be the most fulfilling thing on planet earth is for men and women and married couples and families and singles and middle schoolers, high schoolers and college students to live their life on mission together. Help us now, Lord Jesus. Give us the boldness to do this well. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.